Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, presented by Game On Wisconsin. Jamal Williams, I consider him a friend. It's not a rivalry if the other team doesn't win. Now, in the Game On Wisconsin studios, here's your host, Jacob Westendorf. Live in the Game On Wisconsin studios, as always, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Pick 6 podcast. I am your host tonight. I am Jacob Westendorf, and you can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Westendorf. You can follow the entire network at Game On WI on Twitter. I want to thank everybody for joining this show. Appreciate you guys jumping in here with us. And also want to welcome somebody from our network, the great Zachariah Jacobson. He of the Blue Dog, the Red Dog, and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, King of the Hill jokes, guys smoking a bunch of cigarette jokes trying to think like what else goes into your brand there zach am i missing anything welcome no oh, man i i don't know at this point i just feel like I, I i feel like a meme connoisseur you know not to like toot my own horn or anything like that but uh i shine on game days that that is when my creativity is at its peak but uh yeah jacob thank you for thank you for having me on for the first time this is uh this is an exhilarating experience i'm happy to hear that it has been a little while since we've done a show together so zach his history with the network, if you guys are not familiar, and if you're not, you very well should be, every Wednesday night at 8.45 Central Time, you guys will catch him on Open Book with Eli Berkovitz and Jen Mackey. What we did is we just put all the beautiful people on one show and then saved all the ugly people for the rest of the shows. That's really what happened there. Well, that wouldn't make sense because Eli's on our show. So how do you how do you explain that one? Okay, so a little sibling <laughs> rivalry there between you two. I do appreciate the back and forth that you guys have yeah, yeah, before no. that. Zach was on uh, The Illusion of Complexity with myself and Aaron Alice last year, a, a show that we did uh, for about a year and then moved into some other stuff as Zach has grown up. Uh, he's also the hardest working man at Packer Report, and I don't think there's any question about that with all due respect to Andy Herman and Ross Uglum. Zach, I think, Zach, the fact that you write news stories on your phone is mind-blowing to me. That would drive me batshit crazy. Well, I appreciate, I, I, you know, I, I appreciate the, the, you know, the acknowledgement. I, I've always said like, if I, if I have the platform and I have the opportunity to contribute to a website that I'm going to maximize and I'm going to make the most out of it and I'm going to, I'm going to bust my ass. So uh, yeah, I, that is something that I've kind of held true now for like five, six years that I've been doing this. So uh, yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. And I also appreciate Ross Uglum for giving me that platform. And originally, correct me if I'm wrong, just going all the way back, you said five or six years broken with PackersTalk.com before getting promoted to Cheesehead TV or? No, I actually started with the NFC North Barroom and Aldo Aldo okay. Gandia, Gandia, who is a Bears guy. So kind of weird how that ended up happening. But then I went to Cheesehead TV in May 2016, worked there for three and a half years, and then Packer Report picked me up at the end of summer 2019. I was like the one person that didn't start at PackersTalk.net. <laughs> I was like the one person because I feel like everybody like has their roots there. Yeah, that's where I started. Oh gosh, this would have been nine years ago at this point. I started the off season 
of the year that Green Bay lost to Kaepernick and the 49ers the first time in the playoffs. So that was my first year there. But yeah, PackersTalk.net, the breeding ground of Packers content here. And now here, uh, obviously, like I mentioned at Game on Wisconsin, before I dive in, I do know I mentioned that I, I don't know if it's your favorite television show, but I know you do a lot of memeing and such from King of the Hill. Who's your favorite King of the Hill character? Oh, that's a good question, man. I want to say, I want to say Bobby, man. He's just, <laughs> he's just so damn funny. <laughs> like, and he's funny in like the driest way possible. Like there's like, he, he would be on his tractor imitating Hank. He'd be like, oh, I sell propane and propane accessories. <laughs> Shut up, Dale. <laughs> it's just, he's just so like unintentionally funny. He's the best character on the show easily. Unintentionally hilarious, like Jameis Winston, of course. Mm-hmm. So my, I think one of my, first of all, the, the episode where Bobby goes to a women's self-defense course <laughs> is one of the funniest episodes in the history of television. Let that go is of my purse. And just kicking people in the nuts. And then and not only that, but the noise that Hank makes when they asked him where his other testicle is and the doctor says, we can't find it. <laughs> He just is like, oh, it was, it was, that's a good one. And then uh, my other personal favorite is he's looking at an old picture of Peggy and he looks at her and says, wow, mom, you were beautiful. And Peggy says, oh, Bobby, I still am. And he just kind of gives her this blank stare and goes, okay. (laughs) So you guys came here for anybody that's still listening. There's your King of the Hill content for the night. If anybody has checked out, I do not blame you. Let's just jump in real quick. We do have some news that we want to cover for our first topic. And that is Aaron Rodgers and Alan Lazard were both fined just a shade under 15 G's for violation of COVID protocols. And the Packers were fined $300,000 for violation of COVID protocols. Anything that you really want to add on that, Zach, I think that that story has been told and retold and Mike Florio to death. And Mike Florio to death. That was good. There's really nothing to add at this point. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, I, he, he didn't, I don't want to say he lied, but he purposely misled with, with, with his words, you know, and, and it is what it is at this point. I mean, the, the being fine, what, fourteen and a half thousand dollars I mean, that's, that's like a slap on the wrist pretty much for these guys, but you know, future infractions, future violations, then they're going to start talking about draft picks. They're going to start moving them around the draft board or just taking away draft picks at least that's what the league said but yeah no i mean this is these are the uh the results of his actions these are the consequences and now we can just finally move forward and focus put this whole thing behind us move forward focus on the seattle seahawks yeah you won't say he lied i will uh rogers owned that today (laughs) uh against or on the pat mcafee show excuse me just basically said he misled people i i agree with him i think that uh (laughs) I, I would call it lying. Just whatever. That, like I said, that story has been beaten to death. It's over. We can move on and, and go to our next topic, which is the hottest topic, I think, in Packerland. We are past the trading deadline. We are not into the offseason. And everyone is always looking for a shiny new object to make this team better to get over the top. Well, today, as we record at 3 p.m. Central Time, Odell Beckham Jr. cleared waivers and is now an unrestricted free agent. A report from Jordan Schultz says that his he is prioritizing the Packers as his number one free agent destination. There are other reports out there that are saying teams like Kansas City, New Orleans, New England, 
and teams of that nature are involved. I don't believe I'm missing. I saw one mention the Tampa Bay Bucks, but I can't envision that for a couple different reasons. But it's a hot button issue. I feel like we talk about this every single offseason when he was in Cleveland because there was one mention one time that the Packers maybe should make a trade for that or for him, excuse me, and that that would be a possibility. And I don't think it was ever based in reality, but now it is. And the Packers appear to be a team that could be a front runner for his services. So what's your take on this hot button issue? Well, you know, I mean, you know, me. you, you saw me tweet at the Packers, free him, free right. Odell, just because, you know, I mean, he's playing with Baker Mayfield for some reason. Baker, like Odell is like the, the underneath guy, you know, he's going to like move the chains and get you yards, you know, all, all of the yak. And they weren't really weaponizing him in the proper way in Cleveland. So I feel like if you put him in Green Bay with a guy like Matt LaFleur and that offense and with uh, Nathaniel Hackett, give him, give him a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, and just the, the, the room, that locker room, it's filled with leaders, supposedly. So if, you know, there was some kind of issue, which I don't believe, first of all, I don't believe he's some kind of dysfunctional player like you like like he's combustible you throw him into the room and all of a sudden everything's gonna get you know turned to blaze i don't believe that i think he was in a really bad shitty situation with the browns you put him in a room that's you know surrounded by supposed leaders and they can keep him on the right track you know they if there isn't like the packers may be the best possible place i feel like for him to keep him on that proper track the only problem that i have with it is i don't see where he fits in I mean, you have Devontae Adams. He's Devontae Adams. He does everything. Alan Lazard, that's your blocking receiver. MBS is your deep threat. Randall Cobb is that third down security blanket that's going to, you know, eat up the underneath yards. Where does Odell where, where does Odell Beckham fit in? And this is only even feasible if, I mean, he takes the veteran minimum, which is, I think, 537000 So that would be what, yeah, yeah, that'd be what they're paying him for the remainder of the season to, you know, run into the playoffs, hopefully win a Super Bowl, get him a ring. Uh, That's the only way that it's even feasible because the Packers are like just north of $4 million in cap space. So it'd be tough to pull off. I just don't see where he fits in. As far as fitting in, you know, I think that the answer is that one of those guys that's less accomplished and less of a name is out of the equation. And I think what you'll get on the money downs, if you will, is Devontae Adams, Odell Beckham, Randall Cobb, and then depending on how the Packers are going to nap. Part of navigating the loss of Robert Tunyon was finding another pass catcher. They didn't trade for a tight end, and they didn't trade for another wide receiver at the deadline. So from that standpoint, I think the fit is is there. You can redshirt Amari Rodgers, which we'll get to here in a minute, mm-hmm. and figure out ways – how to utilize those guys. And if they're playing, they're going to play a bunch of three and four receiver sets anyways. Um, You know, name alone might get Beckham some of the respect from those defenses on the other side. So I'd be interested to see how that worked. That being said, anybody who follows my Twitter account knows I'm out. Uh, The answer for me when it came to Beckham is always no. And I say that two teams and two teams in the last four years have decided to pay him to play against them. And Cleveland to me, like everybody, Zach, I think you said yourself, you had free Odell. My question back to you would be from what Cleveland has a good coach. They've been a good organization since Andrew Barry took over there. I know not stable over a long period of time, but since Andrew Barry has been there and Kevin Stefanski, he's a good coach. And I'm not going to take the slander of Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield's a good, is it Baker Mayfield, Aaron Rodgers? No. Is he a good quarterback? Yes, he is. 
So a good coach, a good quarterback, and a good team. That Browns team, before the year we were picking them, not we, I know I did. I picked them to go to the Super Bowl. So free him from what? He basically free him from irrelevancy pretty much because he was open a lot of the time this year and last year when or you know before you know, before his injury obviously but he has been open a lot of the time and he is not even looked at baker mayfield does not look in his direction and there are literally videos of this that showcase like he is wide open at various parts of the field and baker mayfield just doesn't look his direction now yeah the browns are the Browns, very good offense, probably the best running back tandem in the league in Kareem Hunt and, and Nick Chubb. And I love Baker Mayfield. I see so much Brett Favre in him. And, in a good and I've said that <laughs> in, a, in a good way. Now, not post-career Brett Favre uh, or the, you know, the scandal Brett Favre that I'm not going to mention. But I love Baker Mayfield. He hasn't been a very good quarterback this year. Obviously, not including this past weekend because he just went scorched earth and suddenly he lost OBJ and all of a sudden he becomes this, this amazing and that's quarterback something, again. I know it's, it's going to sound weird because I always insist the Packers are not better without Devonte Adams. Aaron Rodgers has said several times they're not better with Devonte Adams, but mm-hmm. the sample sizes are similar. The Browns have won a lot more without Odell Beckham since he's been there with Baker Mayfield and Mayfield plays better without him. And it's not exactly a small sample size with those guys. What do you make of that? That would be, I, I don't know. I mean, it'd be a good study to kind of really look at, like you know how. I mean, maybe it's like 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 an expectation thing. I mean, maybe like having Odell on the field is like you know you want to you want to try and force him, you know, and when you don't feel comfortable throwing in his direction, then maybe Baker kind of panics and tries to get the ball to other guys. And you know, like you said, we've seen it with the Packers and and not having Devontae Adams. All of a sudden, they pull all the tricks out of their hat, and all of a sudden, Matt Lafleur just gets more creative than normal and Aaron Rodgers is spreading the ball around and they're just functioning like, like a well-oiled machine, even without their best receiver. I don't know if it's a similar thing in Cleveland with the Browns, but I don't know. Maybe it's something to look at. Maybe Odell really is just something that, that causes offenses to sputter, you know, when he's around, when his presence is in that lineup. Well, and I understand why people are willing to find out, but I am more than willing to let him go to New Orleans or something like, like I said, the Browns are willing to pay him to play against them. The giants were what the giants had just paid him by the time they said they'd had enough and traded him. And the other thing about it is I know people have said he's never played with an elite quarterback and there is truth to that. That being said, it's not like Allen Robinson or Larry Fitzgerald. Now Allen Robinson, that was by choice, but it's not like that group or Larry Fitzgerald where Eli Manning, even when he wasn't winning Super Bowls, which was basically the only two years of his career that he was really good, was still an average to above average player. Baker Mayfield has been an average to above average quarterback. He did have a year with (laughs) Geno Smith and end of career Eli Manning. That part I understand. I just, I don't feel like this guy has been, I feel like he's made out to be a martyr on the internet. And I I don't understand why, because I feel like a lot of it, is his own doing. And with him, there's always something. And I'm just not sure that then again, the content creator in me, the intrigue is there because why not bring on more drama? Aaron Rodgers may not be here next year. You got Devontae Adams liking and saying every other thing on Instagram. You've got the last dance possible stuff. You've got COVID vaccine issues. And then the quarterback saying that he's 
talking to a bunch of different people and basically going full on info wars with some of the stuff he's saying on Pat, Ma- Pat McAfee was damn near laughing at this dude on Friday because of some <laughs> of the shit he was saying, like Pat McAfee, not exactly the pinnacle of, of professionalism. And that is with no disrespect to Pat McAfee and his show, but why not just bring on more drama? What the hell? Why not? But from a fan standpoint, from an, I want the team to win the Super Bowl standpoint, I'm out. No way. I mean, you look, I feel like it would be the kind of move that says like, okay, yeah, we're going to get, if Aaron Rodgers advocates for it, especially this, that would be the kind of move that's like, okay, here, we're going to give you what you want. If it doesn't work out, then I mean, that makes, that makes you look bad. That makes you look bad for wanting to bring this guy in. I mean, you look at the Buccaneers and Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown was a goddamn nutcase. He still probably is a nutcase, but he's been a, a quiet nutcase for, for a little while now. But the Buccaneers bring him in. They see see what he has, see what he could do, see how he's looking mentally, physically, and they win a Super Bowl. All of a sudden, they're rolling out Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Scotty Miller and Antonio freaking Brown, and then they get, then they pair him with Rob Gronkowski. It's like those moves that people say, like you know, like this isn't Madden. You can't just sign everybody. The Buccaneers literally did that. Have. Yeah, they have. Why the hell not? And Tampa Bay is the best passing offense in football. I mean that if you want to look on the positive spin of this, so if I just take off my always no blinders and say, what if this is Andre Risen? You know, what if this is that? And because this Buccaneers team that green Bay is looks to be on a collision course with for an NFC championship type of period, it just feels like if green Bay is going to get to a super bowl, that's who they're going to have to beat is Tampa Bay and Tampa Bay has, you just mentioned their guys. They have all them dudes. They have the number one ranked passing offensive football and the greatest quarterback of all time as the trigger man. You're going to need to score points against that team. Yeah. So supply yourself with every weapon possible to do it. And you mentioned Andre Rison. I mean, go in, in 96 before he was put on waivers. He was beefing with Tom Coughlin. He was beefing with the quarterback. Uh, it was Mark Brunel. Mark Brunel. He was, yeah. He like he was not a well liked guy, and he had issues. Packers took a chance. They had lost Robert Brooks uh, in in that Monday night game, I believe, against the 49ers. Yep. And um, it, it, I mean, they had the Packers aren't dealing with that that kind of detrimental injury right now. But still, you know, this is the new age NFL. You got to score points. You got to generate offense. And I mean, you put Devontae Adams on the field with Odell Beckham and Aaron Jones. I mean, that's you're, that's crazy. And quietly, I will say this. I do know there are reasons for it, but the Packers offense has been quietly pretty average this season, even when Rodgers has been in the lineup. Now, that's not to say that they need a receiver, and that's the reason why, but just saying that that is part of the equation there, and it has been. But that said, I'm still out for a lot of different reasons. But let's move to topic three. We've got Jordan Love, who played on Sunday, and he started and – He had some nice moments. He had some other moments that leave a little bit to be desired. Uh, Just, I want to get your take on, you know, what's your gauge of that situation? Did you feel more confident, less confident about having to hand the keys to him potentially in 2022? I think right now he's nowhere. He, I don't want to say nowhere near, but he is not a starting quarterback right now. Sure. He said he feels like he can start, but I mean, what else is he going to say? I mean, honestly, he didn't he there were a lot of inaccurate throws there were throws where you know that that one drive late in the game he hit like five straight completions all of a sudden he was finding his rhythm that was when the pocket was was sturdy he was being protected he was being kept upright 
And he was able to to navigate. I think one of the throws to MBS was like on his third read, Matt LaFleur said. He, you know, he was he was comfortable playing confidently, but for a large part of the game, I mean, he just looked skittish, you know, and I don't blame him. Because he was he was pretty he had guys in his face, pressured, blitz on like half of his dropbacks, more than half of his dropbacks, I believe. He was just under duress for a huge portion of that game, and the offensive line had probably their worst performance of the season. So it's it's so hard to evaluate, you know, you know, unless he's playing from like a clean pocket. And it, still, these are things that quarterbacks have to know. You have to know where the pressure is coming from. And in this case, it was coming from goddamn everywhere, you know. So it's like it's impossible to prepare for that. And as he said, as the floor said, he didn't give them a reason not to blitz him. You know, they were they were making he didn't make them pay for it. You know, and when they're playing zero pressure, I mean, the downfield is like open. Everything is open downfield, so I'm surprised that he didn't take advantage of that at any point. Uh, it's it's you know it's also the worst possible environment for a young quarterback to make his first career start at Arrowhead of all places in that situation. So you know it's it's tape to build from. He he has reps on tape now, regular season meaningful reps, not like cleanup duty at the end of, at the end of a game like in the season opener. It's something to build from. You know we'll see if they do build in the proper direction. So I'm going to put you in Brian Gutekunst's chair right now. He's been replaced by Zach Jacobson, and you have that one game, and that might be the only game we get of Jordan Love until this offseason. Are you letting that game sway your thought at all? How are you handling this quarterback situation for 2021 and beyond? Because we know this offseason, that's the fork in the road. There is no go into next year and see what happens. It's commit to 12 or commit to number 10. What route do you think they're going? Well, since since I'm in Goody's chair, first I'm going to sign Odell. Then, <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> now, okay, what I would do, I'm co- I'm committing to Aaron Rodgers. He hasn't shown, you know, he hasn't shown any sign of decline at at, at this point. I mean, yeah, that 2019 season was rough. That first year under uh, with the Flores offense and everything, getting accustomed to to what they're expecting of him. Last year he won an MVP. This year he's still he's playing at a good level. You know, not like the otherworldly level he was at last year, but he's still, you know, he's still a top five quarterback right now. And he's still making some ridiculous plays, ridiculous throws. And he's still mobile. He still has his legs. He hasn't shown signs of decline yet. Now, obviously in Gutekunst's Gutekunst's position, it's hard because you have to like predict when that's probably going to happen. And the Packers usually have a good idea of when guys are going to start to hit that, that over the hill point, you know, like TJ Lang, for example, you know, Brian Bulaga, they kind of know when guys are going to decline. With Rodgers, I mean, it's just such a tricky situation. And then if you do bring him back, then you have to start worrying about Jordan Love's fifth-year option. And it's just such a dicey situation. I would commit to Aaron Rodgers. I think they ship him off, get something substantial in return from another team, draft capital, players, something like that along those lines. But me personally, I, I would keep him around. Yeah, I'm with you. If, if Aaron Rodgers wants to stay, then... You know, every, every capologist that's on Twitter now, and apparently there's like 80 of those now <laughs> sits around and says like, Oh, it can't happen. It's not possible. Like to me, you keep Aaron Rodgers and figure the rest out. Like, honestly, because if you, we've seen it, our friends in Chicago, frenemies, whatever, if you don't have a quarterback, it doesn't matter what the rest of your roster looks like. So if Jordan, like the, 
when we were talking this offseason about stuff, it's like, oh, you could trade Rodgers for like three firsts and get this and get this, and the roster would be great. And, and my rebut to that was always, that's great. What if Jordan Love stinks? And I'm not saying Jordan Love does stink. I'm not writing the book on his career yet based on one play or one appearance, but, but it's possible. Yes. And Brian Gutekunst has to know if he bets on Aaron Rodgers and loses, everybody's going to understand that. You bet on a three-time MVP, a Super Bowl champion, one of the best players in the history of your franchise. It happens. You crapped out. Very similar to the way the Saints crapped out on Drew Brees. You ship that guy away and bet on Jordan Love, and Jordan Love stinks. You're fired. Matt LaFleur is fired. Everyone involved with that decision is fired, and there is a brand-new regime in Titletown by 2023, and you don't get a chance to pick a new quarterback. It's tough. So I understand the situation. It's hard for Jordan Love. And I said it on Monday in my Packer report column. Nothing about Jordan Love's career is going to be fair. But unfortunately, this is the situation you're in. And he has to be looked through in the lens of, is he ready right now to replace Aaron Rodgers in 2022? And the answer to that question to me is no. So if I were in Brian Gutekunst's chair, I would ignore Odell Beckham's phone calls. And then I would commit to Aaron Rodgers because I'm with you. I would rather, I would take the bet on Aaron Rodgers into his forties rather than Jordan love and that potential. And and there is some there. You did see some things that you like all that good stuff, but Mm -hmm. that's just a really hard bet to make on, on somebody who played one game. And frankly, it was dicey, you know, and I'm not, I'm not knocking the kid. It's, it's a lot to process in one start and he was under a ton of pressure and Royce Newman played one of the worst games I've seen an offensive lineman play. Lucas Patrick wasn't much better and it just had a lot of different issues. So I understand that. And and he didn't find out he was going to be starting until Wednesday. Right. And the only time that he was able, the only time that he has ever, ever since entering the league, been able to get like practice reps with Devonte Adams as his number one receiver was probably Friday. like Friday. Yeah. <laughs> Friday. And Adams was back. Yeah, that was it. And then maybe like a little bit during Saturday's walkthroughs, depending on what they did, but like, that's it, you know? So yeah, a lot of things, a lot of crazy circumstances that like kind of skew your evaluation of him. I mean, you're look, if let's say they keep Aaron Rodgers, Jordan love ends up being the odd man out and they end up trading him at some point, you know, he gets, he gets Garoppolo. Let's say that happens. You're going to fall in love with another quarterback at, at, in, yep. at some point, whether it's this year's draft cycle or next year's or 2023, you're going to fall in love with another another quarterback at some point, and maybe that'll be the guy. There's no guarantee that just because the Packers actively moved up from 30 to 26 to take love, like that's the air. That's, that's the future of your franchise. There's no guarantee. For all we know, they just wanted to fortify the position a little bit behind you know, a, a 35, 36-year-old at the time who has been dealing with injuries the last several years, but up to that point. So yeah, love could end up being the odd man now. We don't know. Well, and I'll say this, and I've said this a million times, because you just kind of made that point for me was if the Packers made their decision in on draft night of 2020, who their quarterback was going to be on opening day of 2022, without accounting for any variable change whatsoever, which Aaron Rodgers playing at an MVP level. And then a really, really good, he'll be an MVP finalist this year without considering that. And they're just going to hand the keys to love just because then everybody involved with that decision needs to be fired. And I always say all the time, who the hell am I to question Andrew Brandt? But I would push back on Andrew Brandt with this because he always said Aaron Rodgers was going to play just like Jordan Love is going to play. Well, if Brett Favre had never done the Crocodile Tears retirement in March of 2007, Aaron Rodgers would have never started for the Packers. And then even when he retired in 2007, the story has it that Favre was 
telling the guys, hey, maybe I made a mistake. I'm ready to come back. This was in May of that year. The guys were on the flight down to welcome him back. They were going to announce it that Favre was coming back. He was going to be the starter, all that good stuff. And then he said, never mind, I'll stay retired. And that is when Ted Thompson and everybody else involved with that decision said, okay, the train has left the station. We're moving on to Aaron Rodgers. So I say that to say, what if that never happened? Then Aaron Rodgers never starts for Green Bay. Jordan Love could very easily see that situation play out for him. I don't know if it's likely, but, and I don't know how much you could take Aaron Rodgers at his word. And I think that's a fair criticism to have of him at this point. But when he says the communication and such has improved, I would think that leads to the fact that I think not only that, but everybody asks like, well, does Gutekunst want that? Does Jerry, does Brian Gutekunst want to keep Aaron Rodgers? The answer is yes. They offered him a market setting extension this off season. Now you could say that they were just calling Rogers bluff and trying to make things better, but they don't offer a market setting extension. Everything. Every time Mark Murphy opens his mouth, he says 2021 and beyond. Well, if 2021 and beyond is the answer, then beyond is after this year, which means I think you'll see at some point the Packers are going to want to try and get an extension done with Aaron Rodgers, assuming one, he wants to stay in Green Bay and two, wants to continue to play, which I think is at least not the most likely outcome, but at least a fair question. And I, that was a question that kind of raised as some of this COVID stuff hit. Let's talk about another quarterback. The corniest motherfucker in the NFL. Fake huddles. And I, I do want to start this by saying I am happy to see that Russell Wilson is alive and was able to survive the <laughs> devastating injury that was a broken finger on his throwing hand. Zach, have you ever seen anything as just cringe as the video that said he was back? Like he made it sound like he came back from cancer. Like it was horrible. Alex Smith nearly lost his fucking leg and he wasn't this dramatic <laughs> about it. Like it's yes. so so fucking unbelievable you you two part two little bones in your finger or one was a bone one was a tendon i think those are the two problems with your fucking finger you had surgery on them and you missed three whole goddamn games three games and you're acting like you're like coming back from like a significant knee injury where like you, you know you, there were complications and you had like a fucking disease during surgery or something or an infection and you nearly lost your leg no finger surgery and he came, he comes back with this corny goddamn video and shows with the succession song and the, the shots of Lambeau Field. Like, okay. Congratulations. That, like you're, you're, yeah. And you're coming back for a random regular season game in the middle of November. It's not like, hey, I'm back <laughs> for a playoff game. Yeah. God, I, I, this guy is so goddamn just insufferable. And yes, this isn't even including the, the weird, fake huddles he was doing before that before that first game that he was sitting out i think it was the first game and gina yeah, smith got that, that start that's the dumbest thing i've ever seen i, I mean <laughs> the mcafee was trying to make aaron Rodgers kind of because rogers and wilson have i don't know about a beef but aaron Rodgers has taken a couple of subtle digs at russell wilson before famously after the 2015 uh regular season game he said that god must have been a packer fan on that game. But Russ, man, goddamn, red light Russ is what I call him because he always knows where that camera is. He's injured. He's standing out there ready to do the coin toss. The fake huddle thing is 100%. He named his son Win. Like, wait, what? His son's name is Win, W I N Wilson. You're joking. You No. <laughs> I'm going to look this up right now. I wish I wish I was. No, I'm not. It's 
he is the most, and then you've got that video about him calling himself Mr. Unlimited. And like, there was somebody that made the joke of like, is Mr. Unlimited in the room with us, Russ? Like it, he's the corniest player. And that's saying something considering JJ Watt exists. And Kirk Cousins. And Kirk Cousins and, Jameis Winston's not corny. He's just hilarious, but yeah, he's like, like not <laughs> even like on purpose. Oh man. Him and Kirk could have a cornball off for sure. Because you that like sounds... that. And just the thing, here's the thing with Kirk though. With Kirk, I think his reactions are like genuine and he's just weird. You think he's Russ... oblivious to the, you think he's oblivious to the fact that he sounds like a corny idiot? Yes, I do. Fair. Russ, it's rehearsed like that. Mr. <laughs> Unlimited video. He did was four takes in no questions asked he woke up that morning and stood in front of his bathroom mirror and practiced it several times yeah, yeah. he's like the yeah. he's like the dude you see at the gym that's like not actually working out he never actually does any he never picks up a weight but he stands there with one and flexes a little bit that's russell wilson i i, I tweeted this already but i want to get it like on audio i want to get it recorded here uh, he was the kid in school who, at the end of at the very end of class, he would remind the teacher that she forgot to give out homework. Yes. On a Friday, on a Friday, going into the weekend, say, oh, teacher, you forgot to assign us homework. And then high Pfizer. Yeah. Because then she remembers, oh, you know what, Russ, you're right. My, I, oh. my disdain for him is like at unfathomable levels. Like I... I just can't do it anymore. I can't no, do it anymore, Jacob. And, no, and I tell you, maybe it would have been... Maybe I would feel less if 2014, the NFC Championship game, didn't happen. Where this dude is like, God was on our side and we won because of this. And I didn't have a concussion because of my recovery water and, and these bubbles. Like, all this stuff people were saying about, like, Rogers and the COVID vaccine. Those were things with Russell Wilson and concussions in 2015. Like that was a real thing that was happening at one point. And he played like shit in that game and was more than happy to take all the credit for his team winning that game. Mm-hmm. And for the goddamn record, I mean, he's setting up this grand return, you know, to play the Packers and he's going to be in green Bay. He is Owen four in his four trips to Lambeau, by the way. And they, the Seahawks have lost those games by an average margin of like, it's like over 12 points. I can't remember the exact number, but it's double digits. It is well into the double digits. So this guy doesn't even have anything to like get all goddamn high and mighty about. I mean, Jesus Christ. I thought you were kidding by the way about his son's name, but I nope, did look it it's up. It's real, when, isn't it? When Harrison Wilson, <laughs> I hope they call him Harry or Harrison or it's just, I, well, I don't, oh, I, I, I don't want the kid to be, bullied or anything i mean i don't think not, he it, will be his, it's not his, it's not his fault his dad's a, a twat no but his dad's also going to be a professional hall of fame quarterback so he could have named his son bumfuck and it like it would have been fine <laughs> so anyway that's that's enough russell wilson discord i just i i can't imagine covering this dude and being like i can't take him seriously like he's one of the best players in football at his position but like even in the offseason even in the off season, his trade request was 100% based around being more in the spotlight to do dumb shit. Like he's doing now. Seattle wasn't bright enough light. So he wanted to go to Chicago. Which, I mean, I get it. Chicago's got the city, but like the roster horrible. I'm trying to remember that new Orleans. He just wanted California. He, like he just wanted the limelight. 
And this dude it always knows where the camera is, and he 100% plays to it. And he's insufferable, and he's horrible, and I hope the Packers beat them by 30 points on Sunday just to prove the point. To close the topic here, I I want to make it clear. I would drag my balls through 30 miles of broken glass if it means Russell Wilson doesn't exist. We can move on now. That's deep and dark. Wow. Okay. That might be the quote in the history of this show. That, that might be the best one. I can't. <laughs> it was one of those I was waiting so long to laugh. It finally hit me. Okay. Let's talk about other things that make you cringe and is like dragging your balls through 30 miles of glass and your hope it didn't exist is the Packers special teams unit. And <laughs> what, what a perfect segue. That was phenomenal. I'm a pro here, guys. What can I say? Uh, the, the punt return situation is what I'm talking about because I've been saying for about a month, Amari Rogers to me has never looked comfortable returning punts. His first preseason game. I remember he looked rough and I just kind of chalked it up to, okay, preseason bright lights, blah, blah, blah. It hasn't really gotten better. And Sunday was like the culmination of that. He has two punts that he mucked. Well, one officially gets credited to him, but both muffs that the Packers had were on his account. So that was tough. And then you have the story that Matt LaFleur went up to Mo Drayton and said, we need to change returners. And there was a conversation. And let me say this, because I want this on the record. Guys, I promise you it wasn't as simple as LaFleur goes to Drayton and says, change returners. Drayton says no. And LaFleur goes, okay. Like it was a discussion and eventually LaFleur agreed with him. It wasn't like, no, I'm doing this and fuck you. Like that's not how that works. That being said, I do think they need to change punt returners. And the positive spin you can put on this is you didn't want to bench him in the middle of the game because that's more embarrassing and you could wreck his confidence. Mm-hmm. Now, I was talking earlier, if the Packers sign Odell Beckham, the question is going to be, who's the odd man out at receiver? There's no question to me that is Amari Rodgers because he doesn't play offense and he's a detriment to you right now on special teams. So you can game day scratch him and it will be just fine. And he gets back to work next July when the Packers come to training camp uh, with whoever it is starting a quarterback. It really doesn't matter at that point. But this isn't to write off his career or anything like that. It's funny to go all the way back to the beginning of the season because I promise you there's a lot of takes on Twitter, podcasts, you name it, of why do the Packers need Randall Cobb? What does he bring to this team that Amari Rodgers doesn't? The answer apparently is going to be a whole hell of a lot because Randall Cobb has been a much better contributor to the offense. Every play he makes seems to be a big one. And now, even if the Packers don't sign Beckham and they make a change at punt returner, Cobb can do that. Even if at this point I'm asking for, can somebody throw their hand up, make a fair catch, and I have confidence they're going to catch the ball? Because right now with Mario Rogers, I don't have that confidence. Zach, how do you feel about this situation? I mean, I'm with you. The bar is so goddamn low that I just want the guy, I just want whoever's back there to catch it. Just feel the ball, call a fair catch, do what you need to do. Don't advance it. Don't let it, you know, depending on what portion of the field you're in, obviously, then let it ball, you know, bounce past you. But just be competent. That is all that I think you me, anyone, that's all we're asking. Just be competent. And as you said about Amari Rogers, yeah, it was going to be a little tough learning curve for him to kind of like master this offense as a rookie and, you know, receive an abundance of snaps. I mean, there's a lot to, there's a lot to, to kind of, you know, hone in on under Matt LaFleur with this offense. So yeah. And I feel like this is something that 
actually it is. It is something that our guy at Game One Wisconsin, uh, Nick, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, Shibby, Shibby, Shibe, Shibe. There you go. <laughs> Sorry, Nick, if you're listening to this, but he actually, I think it was him that tweeted, just don't even do anything when when the ball is punted to you. Don't do anything. Wherever it bounces, that's where it lands, and you live with it. I believe it was him that tweeted that, and I. <laughs> At this point, I agree. Just let fate decide. Let fate take that ball and just bounce it wherever the hell it goes, and that's where you take over on offense. I mean, that is the point. That is where we are right now. And, I mean, the Packers special teams, they were bad in week one, too. And I remember when I was doing my whole halftime thing and answering questions and shit, I remember someone asking me, like, oh, wow, we hired we hired Maurice Drayton, and this is what we're getting in return. I mean, they still suck. At the time, I was like, it's going to take some time. You know, we got to be patient. You know, these things don't happen overnight. And uh, we are like 10 weeks into this thing now and they still suck. So, yeah, there it's it's something internally. I don't know if it's with the coach or if it's with the guys they have out there. Maybe they need to invest specifically into special teams and guys that can, you know, be proper gunners, guys that, could, that just know what the hell they're doing, you know, and, and, and block properly, you know, provide those lanes for whoever's going to return the ball because, I mean, this has been for years now. The Packers have not had confidence special teams. So it's like almost expected. You know, that that 15-yard return by Amari Rodgers in the fourth quarter, that was probably like the best special teams play that I've seen them make since Tyler Irvin brought back that punt against the Washington football team in December 2019. It, is, it has been that long since I've seen a, a competent play to that degree, uh, that degree. And that's all you're asking for, right? Like Tyler Irvin wasn't anything special. I always said, I felt like we overrated him as a fan base because he wasn't a complete tire fire. <laughs> but like, I never got the feeling when Irvin got the ball, like, oh, he could house this shit. Like, it was just like, okay, he'll gain a few yards and and catch the ball and make sure he doesn't fumble. Sign him now and just mm-hmm. let him do it for the rest of the year. Like, this is a spot where it already cost you a game. Like, it cost you a game on Sunday. Can you imagine... If Green Bay is one made field goal, which you'd like to think is pretty normal, and one Amari Rogers non-fumble away from that being a 10-10 game. And that gets to the point of Joe Barry's defense doing a whale of a job against, and I know he's not having the best year, but that's still Pat Mahomes. That's still Tyreek Hill. That's still Travis Kelsey. That's still Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy dialing up plays. And the Packers defense held Kansas City to 10 points that they really earned. 13 total, but three of them came off the Malik Taylor month, which was a win in itself that it wasn't seven points for Kansas city. And there's so the lowest passing output of Patrick Mahomes, career came on Sunday afternoon. And I don't think Joe Barry and his defense are getting enough credit for what they're doing. And a big reason that they're being so successful this year is the play of their inside linebackers. And Zach, I'll get this. This is our final point of the show. Devondre Campbell has been a godsend to this defense, but you also wrote on Sunday or Monday for Packer report that Sunday might've been the best game of Chris Barnes's career. So just take me through what you saw there and kind of give us the cliff notes version, if you will, of what you wrote. This is like college. We're cheating to get through here. (laughs) Well, first of all, that was two consecutive fantastic segues on your part, Jacob. You really are getting too good at this. Pro man. So obviously when we look at Chris Barnes and what he did, on on Sunday, it's it's highlighted by that play on on third and goal that kept Daryl Williams out of the end zone. That that big collision on the sideline, that play that I think it was Troy Aikman that said you don't really see anymore. You know, it was it was a clean hit, just a thunderous, just collision. 
and it forced Daryl Williams to stop in his tracks and get knocked the hell out of bounds. He couldn't even extend for the pylon, and it held the Chiefs to three points. It was, I mean, you look at plays like that, and if the Packers won this game, you would look at that play as a turning point. There was another play at the goal line, I believe, earlier in the game where he he perfectly plugged one of uh, a running lane, just lowered his shoulders and kept their running back out of out of the end zone. It was, uh, I can't remember the exact situation, but it you know there were multiple plays where he was just flying all over the field, and for the first time, and or no, the second time in their last eight games, it was Chris Barnes who led the team in tackles. You know, it, it was normally it's been Devondre Campbell. He either leads or he's tied for the team lead. I believe one week he tied with Shannon Sullivan, but it's normally Devondre Campbell, at least since, you know, since September 19th. It has been his name headlining those tackle lists. And yesterday or on Sunday, Chris Barnes, Chris Barnes took, took, took a hold of that list. And I mean, he and Devondre Campbell, they've combined for 37 stops this year you know 20, 24 of which are from Campbell but I mean you're getting this this superb play from a second year undrafted guy who opened last year as like a, a day one starter out of the blue alongside Christian Kirksey you know nobody really saw that coming at least outside of the facility so you know if he's playing like this on a regular consistent basis and Campbell just does his you know his routine thing that he's been doing he's been playing at like a level that's like top 10 defensive player this year kind of level, which is like insane when you, when you look at the Packers and the recent history with middle linebackers, but you get regular play from him and what, you know, Campbell just doing his thing. Then this is like one of the best middle linebacker tandems in football. You know, I mean, obviously you got Devin white and Levante David in Tampa Bay, but I mean like, this is like, this could be a top three group, which is just, it's insane to say because they brought in Campbell in June. Yeah, they the middle, didn't even want to. Like, the, if they had drafted a guy or been able to address that position earlier, Gutekunst talked about it after the draft. If they had been able to address that position earlier, they wouldn't have signed Campbell. Right. You know, they the only the only middle linebacker they did draft was Isaiah McDuffie at, at, towards the end of the draft. So Campbell comes in in the middle of minicamp and he, you know, spends that that little summer break that they got before training camp, spends it all mastering the playbook, and. Now he's playing at this just insane level. And then you have Barnes complimenting him. So, I mean, Barnes, it was, as Matt LaFleur said, it was indeed his best game as a Packer. And, you know, I don't want to just agree with the coach blindly just because he's the freaking coach. But, I mean, it was. I have not seen uh, Barnes flash the way he did against the Chiefs. Like, he was all over the place. Every single time there was a ball carrier, you would see him around, around the ball trying to make a play. So, yeah, it's it's something to build off of. Obviously, you don't want to like anoint him right now, but I mean, that was a damn impressive showing. It was, and he has been as good as you could ask the last couple of weeks. I say this uh, with you drowning your sorrows for the signing that was Jalen Smith. I hope you are able to recover from that as he's now been released, and I don't believe he's signed anywhere else since then. But we I are... forgot all about him, and then you just reminded me, so thank you, and I'm going to cry myself to sleep. Well, while he's doing that, we are out of time for this show. Check out the the podcast here on uh, the Pick 6 podcast here on Game On Wisconsin. You can follow us on Twitter at Game On WI. Check us out on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram, all of those different places. You can catch Zach every Wednesday night on the open book with Eli Berkovitz and Jen Mackey starting at 845 Central Time right after Lombardi's Bar here on this network. I want to thank our sponsors, Artec Ventures. And before we sign off, one word 
from our sponsors. Game on Wisconsin is brought to you by Artec Ventures. The goal at Artec Ventures is to collaborate closely with founders throughout all the investment and fundraising stages, turning their visions into successful companies. Since 2020, Artec Ventures has helped turn great ideas into profitable businesses that make an impact on industries, communities, and beyond. Visit artecventures.com for more info. Thank you to Brandon Dwierzynski of The Final Dump for putting that together for us. And thank you to Artec Discover Green Bay, where we're giving away a $200 Packers Pro Shop gift card this Saturday between 1 and 3.30 p.m. right next to Ray Nitschke Field. So a good chance for you guys to get some of your holiday shopping done. And also, of course, Lakefront Brewery for being one of our sponsors as well. And we got more in the pipeline. So looking forward to that. And if you want an opportunity to advertise with Game On Wisconsin, reach out to me and we'll figure something out. I could be more than happy to get something like that going. In the meantime, follow me personally on Twitter. I'm at Jacob Bustorf. You can follow Zach. He's at It's Zachariah J. Get more comments on what he may do to just make sure Russell Wilson doesn't exist. Next week, I will be back after a Packers versus Seahawks, hopefully a victory, and heading into Minnesota week with our own Minnesotan. Is that a word? I don't know if it is or not, but Minnesotian, I think Minnesotian. Sure. Janelle Mackey will be joining me next week on this show. So look forward to having her uh, adding some actual class to this show, as opposed to some of the other scoundrels I bring in and along with myself every given week. So thank you guys for listening this week. We very much appreciate you guys having us and we will see you guys next time.